Hi, it's Lozzie here. Uh, just to say, we've got a couple of technical issues on this episode, so the sound is not as clear and perfect as one might like. Uh, but hopefully, um, you know, enjoy it anyway. Uh, lots of fun chat with my friend Melissa about the TV show Foundation. Asimovcast, short bursts of joy, thoughtfulness, and inspiration from the works of Isaac Asimov. I'm Lozzie. Follow the show on Twitter, Blue Sky, and Instagram at Asimovcast, or email to asimovcast at gmail.com. This week, during the off-season, I'm delighted to be joined by my friend and fellow fangbanger, Melissa. Melissa! Hello! Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. It's been a long journey for us to get to this podcast recording, I think. <laughs> there have been uh, backstage issues, um, as there is in any good uh, drama. So, uh, yeah, we don't need to share those. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going to switch up formats. Um, uh I think what we're going to do is we're going to have two episodes with you. We're going to have one where we talk very briefly about our predictions for the finale of season two of Foundation um, and whatever random chaos that comes off of that discussion. And we're going to have another sort of longer episode where we talk more in depth about, um, you know, your experience, what we both think about Foundation as a show. Um, I might talk about adaptation. I don't think you've read the books, right? So I have not, but uh, my partner Ben has. So I do know some bare bones book things. Um, Something about me as a person, I have a very difficult time keeping like timelines straight. So the things I know from the book are just like random things in like a cloud image in no tangible like order (laughs) fortunately this show doesn't fuck around with timelines at all so (laughs) yeah never Um, okay, cool. So um, this is going to be a short one. We're going to take a leaf out of Fangbangers and make some chaotic predictions for the finale. Uh, Melissa, do you want to give us a very quick sort of intro into your first thoughts of Asimov or anything you've got to say about Foundation? Yeah, my my whole entire Asimov experience has been Foundation Season 1 and then the Asimov cast, ever heard of it, um, <laughs> And then now we've got Foundation Season 2, which I am extremely into. I think that Season 2 of Foundation has been incredibly good. Um, Season 1 was good, and so it's just exciting and impressive for Season 2 to feel like such a noted improvement, even upon what felt like an impressive season of television in Foundation Season 1. Um, and then episode nine, I feel like is just like an all time, like good episode of like big sci-fi television just on its own. 
just yeah. incredible great yeah. episode of tv it feels like it's going to get nominated for a hugo award next year for short form a dramatic presentation i think um yeah i definitely agree that like season one has a lot of adaptation choices um so there are two like shows at the moment of books that i read and loved as a younger person um both of which have to make massive adaptation choices in order to make them functional as television shows um and so uh, with anything like that there's always going to be stuff that you like and stuff you don't like and stuff that uh is beyond the pale for you so the other one i'm referring to is wheel of time um I'm not going to go into my problems with Wheel of Time or all <laughs> the good things about Wheel of Time, but I will say that uh, similar to Foundation, both of them made adaptation choices in the first season that really annoyed me, and both of them have had, I think, so far spectacular season twos that are not. Oh, up, that's great! Notch up on season one, so um, must watch Wheel of Time season two. Put it in I will my also say they're the uh, they're basically the only like streaming shows that have fucking in them as far as i can tell as well <laughs> yeah um they're definitely the horniest I, sci-fi fantasy I think shows out there. fair to say i'm like trying to run through what i'm currently watching and i'm not coming up with like a lot of sex no. so it's a bummer for us but we do always have foundation and we have time we do um yes so anyway, skipping Wheel of Time chat in the with the intention <laughs> that we all, we said we're going to try and keep this one short. No uh, tangents. No tangents. It started off with a tangent. Um, okay, so we're going to spoil everything up to the end of season two, episode nine. We're going to then just wildly speculate as to what we think is going to happen at the finale. Um, the available summary for the finale, which is called Creation Myths, is that Gal, Salvor, and Harry chart a new path forward on Ignis. Uh, Demoiselle heads to Trantor and takes actions that will change Empire forever, which is portentous. Um, so I think we're going to go like character or character group by character group. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's start with our uh, our sort of beginning st- uh, group. So Harry, Gal, Halvor, and well, it was Tellum, but uh, no, no Tellum, no longer. Um. So I have added my own little editorialized note in here, which is the Harry that is with this group, I'm calling Body Harry because we also have Vault Harry, which is also known as Fuck I'm the Left Hand Harry. (laughs) Left Hand Harry, Right Hand Harry, First Foundation Harry, Second Foundation Harry. But I think uh, Body Hair, Body Hair, Harry Body. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because... We never, not never, because there is one episode left of this season. Um, we don't know how or why Harry got his body back. Am I correct? Correct, correct. So do you think that we are going to find that out? Or is that just a mystery left for the ages? Uh, I think we're going to find it out, but I, I'm 90% sure we're not going to find it out next episode. I think that is a future season okay. thing. Yeah, so... They, uh, so I did not rewatch. I know you blasted through this season recently. So hopefully you can help me out because I've been watching week to week and I have been going through and doing some rewatches, but I didn't rewatch the first four episodes. And that was before we had decided to do this, to do this podcast episode. So did I pay attention? 
the the folks that they were with on Ignis, is it fair to call them just as a group the sighted? Yes, or because the that's men- kind of how it works in my mind. Oh, the mentalics. The mentalics. Okay. Yeah, they so they might so they're the that's the thing that the mole refers to them as, and I think it's the the mm-hmm. term that um, Gal um, uh, refers to them more as. So yes, they they are the they're the ones with with mental powers. These are the okay. the outliers in Harry's plan. So this is going to, or potentially is going to become the second foundation? Yes. So I assume that that's part of their new path forward, is that they're going to be like, hi, I'm your leader now. I hope you didn't like her too much. She's very dead. Um, I'm here now. Do you want to see my scary vision of the person you need to prepare to fight? Like, I feel like that is pretty straightforward, but I think that's that's what's going to happen. My suspicion is they're going to leave Ignis, and that is slightly, to use the vernacular of the show, a thumb on the scale of some book knowledge of where the second okay. foundation well, ends up being. Um, but um, I don't see them staying there, partially because, well, the trauma. I, well, yeah, partially because it's a weird place where people stake people in the water uh, <laughs> across four arms. Or do four they? Limbs. Like, or how did Harry they? How did Harry... Yeah, so, we're, so I guess we're going to find out... Okay, all right, here's a wild prediction. I think Harry's a robot. I would really like that because as I've been rewatching these episodes, I've really been kind of... Um, picking out these moments where they're comparing Empire to Harry, these shadow men, and then, you know, you find out that the real Empire, spoilers, is Demerzel, who, and then there's that comment about how, oh, whoever is going to decide for humanity is going to be a human, and that just felt like a a famous last word, if you will. (laughs) So if Harry's a robot, I will love that, because then it's like Harry... Versus Demerzel, although I don't think versus is like exactly how I see those two in relation to each other. No, I, I think Harry is trying to convince Demerzel, um and uh, of the righteousness. And I think Demerzel is restricted by the um, little pellet the, uh, that um, Cleon the First put in her skull to basically control her. So I think... This is actually all about freedom of choice, fundamentally, uh, I think, like, and the restriction thereof. So, and I think that that is going to be a big theme of playing out First Foundation versus Second Foundation, as it is playing out the wedding between, or if that even happens, between Sarath and Day. I think um, it was with Demoiselle was choice, it was with Tellum was the lack of choice that she persists on people i think it's going to be a thing with the mule mm-hmm. as well i think the choice of bell rios is going to be a key thing in the finale um and i think it sort of reflects in so to me like autonomy whether you are robot or human and freedom of choice is the fundamental theme of the show yeah that tracks that tracks for me as well um 
And it's it makes much more sense that they were able to get the Selden consciousness into a robot other yeah. than like, we made you a body because apparently that is a thing we can also do here now. Even uh, It's crazy to think that like, oh, that's a step too far considering the things we have seen on this show. But that always seems like a step too far because I at least I don't think that there's like a sci-fi property that I am into unless it's vampires where literal bodies, human bodies, flesh bodies can be reanimated after death. Um, Is Harry a vampire? <laughs> um, we see him out in the sun. Um, I've been watching a lot of vampire diaries. I do have notes. Okay. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> I don't. He's no not. A, he's not a sparkly vampire. I mean, no. You can't say no tangents after going. Is Harry a vampire? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Look. Um, I. So my logic on that, the fact that he's a robot is he survived being drowned, and he showed up as a life sign, which we presume Demoiselle does show up as a life sign yeah. as well. So. Um, whereas the other person, creature, whatever the heck it was that made him into a body, doesn't. So, um, and that was on a on a on an old imperial world. So, uh, I mean, I could be entirely wrong. This is way off any books. Harry it Selden, feels correct. Ha- Harry Selden feels is right. not alive in the books um because i was thinking that the way that he would have survived drowning was for the drowning to never have occurred because we know that Telum can manipulate what we're seeing but we see him in that ocean torture chamber so often and when the viewer is the only person like in the like having that perspective that it would seem yeah um, a little underhanded for the show to be like yeah but we were showing you visions too (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and there's only an episode left to go through that, and it's a bit, it's a bit like rug pulled out from under you. So it, I, I would find it disappointing if he was just like, oh, I'm alive again, because then it would be, then it, when there is, there are properties that I like where death is not an issue, um, that use it very well, um, but there are properties when death s- stops becoming an issue because people just always survive when it's not fun. And I think we're going to see a couple of characters die in the finale. Oh. Sad. I hope they're not my friends. Well, okay. (laughs) Do we want to do a quick death watch? Yeah, I think we have to. So, I don't know how the foundation doesn't get destroyed unless because they crashed that freaking ship. Well, it already in Terminus. So I'm counting. Yes. I'm counting my friends that were on Terminus as already, already dead. Yeah. Which is quite sad. Um, and this is going to sound horrible, and it's only because I'm committed to this friends bit, but, like, my best friends weren't on Terminus, so that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so... They really got me with, like, the Imperial husbands, though. Like, I mean... That was good. They that nailed was, it. They got that me. Was, fully that got was me some because good Because I'm not out here thinking that... It was just it, they made it, the 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 emotional attachment to those characters is so complex because 
of who they are and the positions that they're serving for Empire. Um, obviously, I mean, earlier in the season, we hear, I, and I can't remember their names. Well, I can't remember the other husband's name. I know Bel Rios is but not his husband. Um, but he was saying, like, I can't defy Empire again because they'll tor- he'll torture me with your death. And then he doesn't defy Empire at all. And it still happens. It's so sad. Yeah, you can't. Don't be Empire. <laughs> no. It, it, the the sacrifice he made yeah I, so <laughs> i think the guy playing berrios and i also think in a much smaller role the guy who plays the director on terminus are did really good jobs yes all i do have one note about the guy playing the director which is that he doesn't read old enough to be constant father to me and so i was like are they lovers and then you find out that they're father and daughter and i was like oh my bad (laughs) so i recognize him from he he's like a goofy comedian guy who's been in shows like green wing and i saw him on stage at the Tamsin Grieg version of Twelfth Night, where wow. he, and he was really funny. He's just a really funny guy who who plays like doofy posh dude really well. So seeing him as this sort of like slightly emaciated uh, uh, person, I found really interesting. And I was just like, I know that guy. I know that guy. Where do I know that guy from? Oh my god, he's <laughs> that guy. Yeah. So I think those two performances this season in smaller roles have been great but Bellary, the guy playing Rios has been phenomenal I need to yeah, look him up I agree and I it's hard to it's hard to even predict what could be next for him other than just like total despair but from that could come like some like wild actions like he could do anything in the next episode and I would believe it um, yeah. but I would really like him to like bide his time and come up with a plan and, and defy Empire in like a brilliant and spectacular way that um, like causes true harm to Empire. Ben Daniels. So I think that given the sort of prediction that Hober is going to cause a spear in Empire's side or whatever it was they said, I think that it's effectively <laughs> Hober getting Bell Rios to sort of lead a rebellion. Mm-hmm. I love it. But I think Homer Mallow is a great boy. I love him. He's he's our he's our Chris Pine rogue character. Yes. He's our rogue bard, con man, gambit guy. Also I mean he was able to bug Empire enough that Empire was like, Come to the bridge and watch me destroy everything. This is gonna be torture for you. But it's like, no, the two of them especially Constant, would want to bear witness to this. And he yeah. played you because he's smart and cute and funny. Well, also, like, him escaping from the spaces and Berrios and his uh, husband, who I now need to look up the name of because I can't keep saying these characters and not know their names. Um, but um, so Berrios is played by Ben Daniels. Um and his husband is Glawen Kerr. There we go. Glawen. 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 It's not a real name. Um, not that Belrios is. But anyway, so. Not that Hober Mallow is. <laughs> I, I, okay. 
that's racist against English people, apparently. No, no. <laughs> it's okay. English people aren't a race, and you should make fun of them. Is uh, Homer a real name? No. No. Okay. Well, a name in the... you... I'm just checking since you said that. <laughs> no. So, um, ho... so Hober Mallow, Gail Zornick, Harry Seldon, um, uh, uh, Salvor Hardin, which <laughs> I'm like, why have I written Halvor in this? Oh, I mean Salvor Hardin. Um, Demazel. These are Belrios. These are all real names in the books. They're yeah. not real people yeah. names, but they're real. Right. But things like Telem. I think is, I don't know, tell them in the books. And so Sarath, similarly, uh, Polly, um, not sure about. But yeah, I think, um, I th- so my guess is somehow Hober and Constant, probably more Constant, because I feel like this is the transition from Hober's uh, sort of bullshit to Constant's like uh, sincerity is yeah, what, like, along with the removal of the leverage is what causes Belrios to cause some sort of rebellion, but I think he dies. Oh, sad. But then he can be with his husband again. Yeah. Glywin. Um Constant and Hober are my foundation OTP. And if they if their dynamic switches to where like Constance is kind of like leading them because she is very smart and I think more methodical and like has more of a big picture view um and Hover is just like the funny muscle between them I would love that so much I think they have good Rogan Gambit and energy between the two of them and I think um but I also kind of assume we're gonna get another like hundred year time jump so oh I, you know, and that's another thing. I sometimes forget that we've already done a time jump like <laughs> yeah. that. So it took me a long time to get my bearings with like, wait, this is foundation, like our foundation. Now there's this weird religion. Like it took me a minute. Um, and then you can imagine my mind just exploding um, when Demerzel starts talking about how she's been around for 18,000 years. Yeah. And I was just like, I know that Day has like an ego problem. I mean, he truly throws a massive tantrum in this episode, basically just to serve his ego. But it's incredible to me that he thought that he could play like mind games or like any Cleon could play mind games with someone who's been around for 18,000 mm. years. I mean, Obviously, in the world of Foundation at this time, they have not had a lot of discussions about, like, power dynamics. <laughs> well, but they also, but like, am. yeah. I mean, so he, him not being the same, it took me a while to realize he wasn't the same day as season Yes, one. that's another thing that's, like, a little bit difficult for me to track. Um, but then, which you, what you discover is, of course, that they are notably shorter on experience and life knowledge and memories than the original emperor Mm -hmm. cleon the first um and that's because they don't have the full full knowledge of him because basically he went i'm going to create this weird hybrid i don't i don't understand his plan at all it was really super weird like i'm gonna come as an old person and i'm gonna set you free but you have to answer to me and then i'm gonna die but i'm not gonna die and i don't quite understand it. you yeah he he just made clones to make this genetic dynasty but they're inferior clones to continue him. to keep 
it, it is it so the clones don't understand the dynamics between themselves and Demerzel. But they keep they still keep her there. Like it's Because it's she's like, the real it, empress. She's a real empress. She's but their like, mom and but, their lover. <laughs> she's the she's the mother lover, but um as opposed to a, a simple favors brother fucker. Um <laughs> but yeah, but but she had no she did not give consent. Like that's the the the, the autonomy, no, the freedom, the yeah, like she it's horrible. The, it's it's kind of him keeping control of her after he's dead, which is yes, extremely horrible. So yeah. Anyway, um, so I th- I think some shit's going to go down, but I think Day stands triumphant. In interesting, I th- so I think Dawn, Dusk, Sarath, Rue, Berrios, all I think they all die, and then I think Day is still in charge, but weakened, and Demoiselle's still there, but subservient. I sort of see. And I guess this might not be something I actually see and just more something I want. But <laughs> I see, I think, Demerzel coming out on top because all of the, all of Empire, like the men, Dawn, Day, and Dusk, all know that she's really in charge, which I know that that makes them overconfident because well, I don't know it. I feel like that makes them overconfident because they're like, oh, now I know. You don't know that I know. But I don't think she needs to know. I think that she, she, I mean, she's infinitely smarter than them by design. And also because she has been in this position for so long that she doesn't, she, people don't, she has to make power moves. You know, she has to make decisions. She has to think ahead or she would lose this position. And so I just think that since she told, she just completely read Day for Filth and was like, you are absolute trash to me. Do whatever you want. I'm taking over. I see that for her. I see her taking over. So I was kind of envisioning at the end of the season, what is Empire, the the entity, the land, the mm. ruling body going to do when they're faced with like, what are the people, the constituents, going to do when they're faced with the knowledge that they're being ruled by Demerzel and not the genetic dynasty and not whatever children Day and Sarah were going to have? Dawn and Sarah were going to have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so my thinking on it is that I, I don't think I think, along with autonomy and freedom, I think the um, other big contrast of the show is going to be the difference between Demoiselle's 18,000 years experience and predictions of how you steer humanity versus Selden's psychohistory. And Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that she can be free because, and she can't be the ruler because of the inhibitions on her programming. So I think that there the the end of the show is going towards some way where she can either overrule or transition or break the programming that Cleon the first gave her 
mm-hmm. um, so that she can do what she wants to do, which is probably none of this shit. <laughs> Just like be alone for once. Yeah, shit. Yeah. Um, I was kind of wondering if maybe her machinations were like if the genetic dynasty was gone would that programming just poof and then she would be free i think she so would could she be yeah. working to end the genetic dynasty but like i'm not really trying to yeah. but i am trying to if i tell day not to do it he'll probably do it so now we're getting into like first, second, third law uh, contrast, right. which uh, which is a which thing that this show right. talks about that I yes. know about because of this podcast. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like, okay, very very quick point about and and then we will wrap up because we do want to be to save this for the longer part. So, the 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 first three laws uh, of robotics, which are. Basically, you're not allowed to kill a human or by an action cause a human to die. Uh, the second law being you have to do what a human tells you. And then the third law being, where unless it's in conflict with the first law. And then the third, third law being, unless it's in conflict with the first or second law, you have to protect yourself. So all of those things are cool beans, but really not that important compared to the zeroth law, which is the underpinning to why robots weren't bound by the first law, first and second law, the the three laws anymore. And the zeroth law, which is the tagline to the podcast, is uh, do not harm humanity or by inaction allow humanity to come to harm, which is somewhat similar to do not harm empire or by inaction allow empire to come to harm. It's obviously just that's not the entirety of, of humanity and it's it's a, it's a slant. So I think that... The, the breaking of that programming or the transcending of that programming with an equivalent zeroth law is where the show is kind of going. Um, so we shall see. Uh, I could be completely wrong. They, they might be might be overplaying that. but And it might just and because I, I say it every bloody week on the show. So. <laughs> the show is on Apple TV+. Plus. Um, which is not at this point known for canceling things. And they seem pretty committed to their big sci-fi television programming. So it, I mean, I don't want to like ask for too much, but like we could have three more seasons, four more seasons of the show. Like I think the show reminds me of like the expanse in this way, or like for all mankind, another Apple TV plus TV show um, where it's just like, you never exactly know, or at least I feel like I don't exactly know, like what the show is, what all it could be. And these every once in a while, an episode happens where it's like, wow, my mind is blown. Um, I have no idea, like how big this could go. So things that could be happening in a potential fifth season of Foundation are things that I probably haven't even conceived of yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's definitely book knowledge is is a a guide to that but they are making Mm -hmm. huge adaptation Mm -hmm. swings and fundamentally it's also a television show and -hmm. therefore i don't see any way that lee pace isn't part of it and lee pace is a great point so i I mean i don't want lee pace not to be part of it i want lee pace to be um a, a impressive part 
of it, as he's described very early on. Um, but um, so I think that some form of genetic dynasty, I don't know, continuation of day continues in some way. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we're going to see more time jumps. Um, I don't know whether we're going to... My suspicion is we build towards the mule as the end of season three. Okay. Um, I think season three will be the mule season, but maybe they'll stick something in, which would be... Mm -hmm. which would that feels be an, right. It feels right, right? The first season was pretty much... Um, I mean, massively adapted, but pretty much the first book foundation. The second season is pretty much with massive, massive adaptations, foundation and empire. And then the third book is second foundation um, and is and touches a lot on the mule. So that's my suspicion. And then there's two more books, which are much more like linear and classic fiction novel in their um, stands. But I suspect they might go a bit more, a bit more crazy then. Um, we shall see. We shall see. Like, again, they've made a lot of things to make characters hang around between seasons that absolutely don't in the books. Um, particularly, and most notably, Jared Harris and um, mm -hmm. and Lee Pace, who are their two stars. Mm -hmm. So, Harry is easy to see him hang around, particularly if he he's a robot as well as a, a vault. Harry, a hologram, a hologram. <laughs> Oh my god! Um, Harry got to make so many little quips in episode nine that I did cannot you, help but quote them. Did you not feel like there was a lot of Star Wars in this show? Like, I felt like particularly the space battle. There was a lot of Star Wars in this. Yeah, I think I could agree, especially because it wasn't really until I was rewatching the episode that I sat there and I was like, "Huh, this is when." It, the first time I watched this episode, I was just, like, all adrenaline because it's an insanely good episode. And not every episode this season, we've got to hang out with every single character. So that was exciting. There's a lot of fights going on. And all that's just to say that I was re-watching the episode and I had a moment of, like, oh, this actually is sci-fi in a language that I do understand because this is a space battle, which, of course, I understand from getting into Star Wars. Well, we've got we've got a space battle we've got a sand planet we've got like a jungle planet and a fight going on there so um one of the lines is that they use i don't think it's this episode it's the previous episode but it's like a long time ago not far away yes yes you've got like big ships and then little ships that can penetrate their defenses and uh, one shot kills on the massive ships and stuff. So like, <laughs> I was like, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, and I do not mean that as a criticism. I love most of Star Wars, but um, you know, I, I definitely felt like this, this show is like steering. If not, if not to outright homage, it's uh, it's definitely steering Star Wars influence. Yeah, I can see that. Um, uh, one last note is I listened to the last couple episodes of the official foundation podcast, which was a pretty fun time. Um, but I believe it was the, 
I, I guess probably the director of the episode, I should have actually fact-checked this. Someone from the production of the show was like, wait till you see episode, because they were talking about how, like, they went wild, and they just said, you know, wait till you see episode 10, he's not done. And I was like, well, I didn't exactly think he was done, per se, but now I'm like, I didn't exactly anticipate that he was going to not be satiated by this murderous planet rampage but apparently he is not and i do not think he's going to be pleased to find out that there's a bloodless fucking coup being planned uh no i agree i know for a fact that alex graves has been directing a bunch of these so roxanne dawson directed the last two i don't know her uh roxanne big oh she was Excuse me. I, uh, I was just about to apologize for swearing and then realize I've sworn profusely or multiple times on the show. This is... Did you ever watch Star Trek Voyager? I haven't, no. Okay. There's a character on Star Trek Voyager called Belana Torres who is one of two acceptable characters on that show because that show is full of trash characters. Um, come at me, internet. Um, don't please don't come at me that's why i don't i'm not on twitter anymore um anyway she is the director of the last two episodes the the previous two episodes okay which is incredible so if you uh tell ben that he will be like holy shit i can guarantee you but alex graves um extremely uh uh prestigious director who has done tons of things for like the west wing and and has won like Emmys for that, and big JJ guy, um, executive produced the pilot of Fringe, uh, like wow. yeah. So he's been doing a load of this stuff as well. So um, yeah, interesting, good, good, interesting set of directors, and like wow, at Roxanne Dawson directing these last <laughs> two episodes. Yeah, okay. that's so cool. Okay. Right, we said we're going to do 15 minutes and we're getting close to 40. So I'm going to... The one group we haven't talked about too much um, is Constant and Hober and Polly. I know you mentioned them as your OTP. No, and Polly, um, RIP. Yeah, poor Polly. Uh, so, okay, no tangents. Polly is played by an actor who was in a... Uh, British sketch show, sketch comedy show in the 90s called Goodness Gracious Me, which was four Indian, uh, British Indian comics doing a sketch show. And it was one of the uh, most successful sketch shows on British TV. And it was very, uh, very successful popularization of Indian characters and Indian character comics um, uh, or British Indian character comics on, on British TV. One of the other of the four stars is currently a lead character or a similar size character in Wheel of Time right now. Wow! Mira Sayal. So it is. I just love a, that. It's it's an astounding, uh, wonderful thing to see these these actors who were who were comedians on a sketch show, popularizing like and making. I don't know making more accessible i would i should say like um that sort of community of people to the wider british audience suddenly showing up in these dramatic roles in diverse places on big uh multinational you know uh, sci-fi fantasy shows so uh along with um 
Rachel, uh, crikey, what's her name? Rachel for, Fourth, Rachel Front. Who is it who plays um, uh, da, 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 Rachel House, who's Telen Bond, who has been in oh. every Taika Waititi thing and huh. is... So she's in, she's the grandmother in Moana. She's in Hunt for Wilder People. She's the grandmaster's bodyguard in Thor Ragnarok. Like she's, uh, she's this incredible uh, New Zealand actor. Um, so I really her. enjoyed her performance this yeah. season. Um, I we um, and our friends often talk about like scary hot. Um, and Tellum was giving a lot of like scary comfort hot. Like that was a character that had me like on the back foot the whole time. I definitely yeah. knew that there was something not quite right with what was going on with her. I still wanted the hug though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She perfectly threaded the needle of, are you malevolent or not? Like, are you... Yes. You're and a like, cuddly, cuddly grandma. If you are malevolent, maybe... would you do it to me? Yeah. If I, like, signed up for this club? <laughs> As always, autonomy and consent are the theme of the show. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, no, I'm a consciousness-shifting creature, which is, you know something that's come up on other shows as well yeah it's freaky all right well i'm so excited to watch episode 10 and then talk about the whole season yes all right let's let's call it there um wonderful as always to speak with you melissa and we will speak again very soon looking forward to the finale uh do you want to give us quick uh where people can find you Yes, you can find me on Twitter, sort of, and Blue Sky and Letterboxd at Mellow Yellow. Awesome. Uh, you can also find both of us on a horny chaotic podcast about the horny chaotic HBO show True Blood. So please you sure can. Fang Bangers with Z podcast. That will come up much more when Melissa and I turn into. A horny more. Uh, I was about to say horny monsters, but I also nearly said horny morons, and possibly both are true. <laughs> Where have we go into that? So um, we will be back soon for a deep dive into the whole of Foundation and possibly Lee Pace's chest, um, if that's an option. Uh, but other than that, thank you for joining me. You can find me at Lozimandius on Blue Sky. You can find the podcast on Blue Sky, Twitter and Instagram at Asimovcast. The theme music is courtesy of Alexei Chastillon from Pixabay. Please email your thoughts, what inspires you and where you find joy in Asimov or any thoughts you have about Lee Pace's chest or foundation as an <laughs> Apple adaptation to Asimovcast at gmail.com. Go now. Do not harm humanity or... By inaction, allow humanity to come to harm.